You're listening to the Influential Conversations podcast with the property management coach and industry influence of the year, Kurt Stafford and guests. This series is proudly brought to you by Tappy, an Australian first platform delivering the total property care solution to help property managers provide a world-class maintenance experience to their landlords and tenants and to save them processing time on this maintenance. In Inspection Express, the market leader in property inspection reporting and a digital signature platform to provide all your property documentation in one place, giving you a seamless approach to the way you manage properties. And Agent Dynamics, the Australian market leading team development ecosystem to help you nurture, grow and retain your property teams since 2014. Now, here's your host, Kirk Stafford. Well, hello and welcome to another in the second series of Influential Conversations. And my guest today is a lady I've been watching for a little while from a distance because she's in Launceston and I'm in Melbourne, Katie Horder from Spark Property Management. Katie, hi, welcome and thank you very much for agreeing to, to come on as a guest on the show. Thank you so much for having me, Kirk. I'm very excited to be involved. Oh, that's great. Yeah. For those of you who don't know Katie, she's properly known as Caitlin, but everybody calls her Katie. She's the owner and director of Spark Property in, in Launceston, in northern Tasmania. She has been in business for two years, been in the industry for, what do you say, 12 years? Yeah, 12 years now, which is crazy, but yep, 12 years. Yep. Been a while, um, awarded the 2022 Young Professional of the Year by the Launceston Chamber of Commerce and the Business Excellence Awards, obviously has her, uh, her real estate agent's license, is... Tragically, like me, a coffee and a wine lover, mum of two young boys, and between her and uh, her husband, Jeremy, and another two staff, manage 140 properties. And from what I see from your reviews, you're doing it really, really well. Oh, thank you. Yes, we've um, we've worked pretty hard over the past couple of years to bring on each of those clients. Um, so we're pretty proud of it. But definitely a strong focus on customer service, which is what we're all about. So it's yeah. awesome to see those reviews. <laughs> Oh, look, they're great. And when you when you get another one dropped, just, doesn't that give you that little hit of dopamine when you see them come through? You go, oh, how about that? I've got another one. Somebody loves me. Oh, exactly, exactly. I think um, when someone takes the time to leave a positive review, it just makes you so happy, doesn't it? Like it makes you really go, yep, this is what I'm doing it for. Yep, exactly, exactly. All right, now, Katie, where did you come from? How did you get into this industry that we're in, that, that we all – you know, have this love-hate relationship with, we're passionate about it one day, and the next day we think, oh, my God, what am I doing this for? How did you start? <laughs> oh, look, I think like many people, I kind of fell into real estate. So I, I was pretty young when I started. Um, I was about 18, I think, when I when I got my very first real estate job. And prior to, to that, I was an apprentice chef, so something very different. And I was just finding that the hours were not working for me. And I thought, oh, maybe real estate something that I can try. And I saw a, a job advertised for an assisting property manager. And, you know, I was 18. I thought, this is going to be great. It's going to be like Lux Listing Sydney. I'm going to go through and show all these properties and it's going to be really glossy and wonderful. Um, I very quickly learned that that is not really what property management is all about. So um, definitely a bit of trial by fire starting as such a, a young person in the industry 
and I sort of worked my way up from there really. So very entry-level position, um, started managing properties not long thereafter. Um, I think like what happens in a lot of offices, we had the property manager I was working closely with go on maternity leave. So it was like, okay, Katie, you're it. You're in that hot seat um, and just a lot of learning by doing. So I was in property management for sort of eight years and then I had a little stint in sales and felt that, you know, maybe at that point in my life, that wasn't quite for me. So we jumped back into property management and yeah, I've basically been doing it ever since. So decided that um, a couple of years ago, I'd opened my own business and the rest is is kind of history from there. Fantastic. Yeah. And you're right. I think a lot of people, I don't think people plan to come into, no. into property management. I mean, look, there are a few that did, and I'm one of the one of the few that did. But I fell into real estate, mm. not by default, but by choice. Uh, I think when I, when I left the RAF many years ago. Um, but then also mm. sort of got found that after a few years of selling, I thought, no, nah, I don't want to do this anymore. I'm, you know, mm. I, I, I want to try something different. And property management looks pretty, you know, pretty easy. I, I, I didn't have the same impressions of it as you did that it was glamorous. Mm. <laughs> I'd, already I'd already seen it from the other side, so I, I knew it wasn't going to be glamour. But uh, yeah, look, it's it, it's it's a funny old sort of world that we're in. And once you're in it, I was told this years ago, and, and you probably found the same thing. Once you get into real estate, it gets into your bloodstream, and it's yeah. it's addictive. You and you, it is. Make, you might want to try to leave. It drags you back. And you don't stay in it for the glamour, do you? Like at the end of the day, you get in and you go, wow, um, it's so diverse and there's different Mm. challenges every day. And the relationships that you build, I think there's nothing quite like it. So although, you know, that kind of, um, I guess, the the idea of it being this glamorous thing that, you know, I was going to go and show properties and end up making all this money and it was going to be fantastic. <laughs> Wasn't really the reality of it. It's certainly, mm-hmm. um, you know, I stuck around. I've been doing it for 12 years and, and now doing it for myself. So you do, I think, fall in, in love with the good parts about the job. It's yeah. not to say there aren't difficult parts. Mm-hmm. Um, but I think if if you're willing to kind of get in and, and do your best and, and you find the parts of the job that you love, you, you're going to stay in it for a long time. When, once you know it's for you, that's it. Mm-hmm. It's it's your career. It's your purpose. It, it, yeah, you're right. It, is, it, become, it becomes more than that. It becomes almost a lifestyle. It does, um, yeah. But we've got to be careful we don't allow it to consumers because, you know, let's mm. face it, everybody's very, very interested in property. And one of the things that I find is that, you know, every time I go out and I'm introduced to someone, they're going, even though I'm, I've got nothing to do with the sales uh, side of things at all, or very little these days, even though I do run a, a, an advocacy business. Um, you know, people say, oh, how's the market? I'm going, well, <laughs> how do you want it to be, really? <laughs> and exactly. really interested. To you, what do you, what do you find are the things that have brought you the, the, the most satisfaction and the things that, that keep you in property management, particularly but in real estate overall? What, what, are, the, what are the big ticket things that have kept you, kept you involved and interested for so long? I think for me, it's definitely the relationship building side of things. I think, you know, when you first start, there's such a strong focus on getting your technical skills right and really feeling like you, you know, you're comfortable in doing the day-to-day of the job. But once you get over that hurdle and you can really start building those long-term relationships, it's extremely rewarding. And that's the part of the job that I love and really the basis of what our business is built around as well. So I definitely think that's part of it. I mean, some of it as well now, especially at the point in my career that I am in, is also the the kind of network and relationships that we build up with other property managers, other business owners. Um, 
trying to change that perception in the industry a little bit that we're all kind of akin to, um, you know, used car salesmen sorry to any used car salesmen out there that might be listening but you know we do get tarred with a bit of a brush and I do think that's changing I think that a lot of people are doing some really positive things for the industry and I think that's a really cool thing to be a part of it's really exciting Mm -hmm. yeah yeah you're right and I think the thing is we especially at the moment I mean there's undoubtedly there's a crisis of of accommodation in in the country Mm. not just from the, the rental point of view, although that's capturing a lot of media, it's also the, the sales market is you know, almost showing some sort of signs of, of stability. It, it's still uh, fickle beast. But as, as property managers, there's, there's a perception that we, you know, we, we determine the market, that we mm. somehow have, have control over the, the laws of supply and demand, which, and we've got to try to overcome that narrative as well. And this is the whole thing. Uh, we do, about, yeah. Because if we, we've got to be cohesive in in our approach to it. Mm, what, what sort of regulations have you have you been involved with down in in, in Launceston? What what have what you guys been doing down there? Sorry, in terms of the market, or apologies, well, just cut out a little bit there. Not just in terms of the market. I mean, it's 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 in terms of the industry, but also you, you you're co-founder of Launceston Women in Business. Yes, yes, I am, that, yes. Yeah, that, that surely you, you must be expanding a network there of, of like-minded professionals. Absolutely. So Launceston Women in Business was a pretty um, it's a pretty special thing that came about, really, and it was actually uh, myself and a sales agent from a sales-only business. We went out to lunch together and we went, oh, we're really struggling to break into some of these networking groups. There's a lot around, but often they'll have, you know, one seat for a real estate agent, one seat for an accountant, and basically someone has to die for you to be able to jump in and get their seat <laughs> in these networking opportunities. And we were going... What can we do to kind of get get out there and actually start meeting some new people and I guess working more collaboratively? Um, and so we were sitting down and we're having a glass of wine as we do. And a local business owner, another female business owner who's just incredible, came over to us. So we decided we would start a little Facebook group um, on a Saturday afternoon. We put it out there, thought it would be 20 of our friends that we would just be able to sit with and um, network with. It ended up growing up to three and a half thousand members. So it just went crazy, which showed there was a huge need locally for a networking group for women in Launceston. They were able to in- sorry, hang on, three and a half thousand in how long? Um, I think the first the first sort of week and a half, it grew to 2,000 members um, and that's when the media obviously picked up on it and started calling us for interviews and things. Um, and then, yeah, we've sort of just grown from there um, and we're, we're running regular events. We've now got a committee of eight um, dedicated professionals that we're, we're looking at turning into a board so that we're able to do more with the local community. But the idea behind that was that it was to be quite collaborative, like collaborative with anyone who identifies themselves as wanting that support as a woman in business. And, you know, we're not looking at cutting out other real estate agents. You know, we've got members of the group that are other real estate business owners, sales consultants, property managers. It's it's about collaboration and genuine connection. And that's what's been really, really special um, to be a part of. So, mm-hmm. yeah, it's definitely um, been keeping me a little bit busy with that side of things. But I think definitely very, very worthwhile. And it just shows there was definitely a need out there I'm, for it. I'm, I'm- I know we had a quick chat before we, we came on air, but that's staggering. 
Yeah. <laughs> in, in, in two weeks, a thousand people a week joining. The, that's just that. It, you're right. It shows that there's there's obviously a demand there, um, and, and mm. I don't see Launceston as probably being greatly different to many other areas in that regard. Mm. That's that, I, 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 I'm. I'm gobsmacked. <laughs> <laughs> well, I encourage anyone out there, if, you, if you're missing that kind of thing in your marketplace, you know, you just open it up on Facebook and um, see who'd like to join because, yeah, it's been very, very well received. And, you know, we, we have regular events and, and local women sponsor it, local businesses sponsor it because they're just mm-hmm. happy to be a part of it. Um, and it's just really beautiful to see. It's um, created something very special for the community. So definitely very proud of, of the efforts there. Mm-hmm. Yeah. yeah, well, I, I can guarantee that once this goes to where uh, <laughs> your, your phone's going to be ringing, people will be asking asking for advice on this. So your, your time might be even more limited very soon. Oh, well, I'm always happy to help. When it comes to things like that, I'm definitely happy to help. <laughs> yeah, uh, and look, and that's the whole thing. The, I remember years ago, you know, you you were told really that you you you, know, you were there to really kick your competitor rather than collaborate with them. Mm. You know, everybody had to be you know in, in in a battle almost rather than to be able to work cohesively together. And the world's yeah. changed. I mean, that might it have has. been the nineteen eighties, nineteen nineties philosophy, probably out of things like Wolf of Wall Street and all those sorts of mm. things. But these days, I think people look at it and go, "Why the hell can't we network? Why the hell can't we get on? We are all." In business, regardless of mm. what industry it is, but particularly ours, PM, mm. you know, we, we all we all face the same challenges. We face uh, the same constraints on our on us from a time point of view, from a knowledge point of view, and we don't all know everything. That's that's the whole beauty of being able to collaborate. But to have that network around you that can support you, it's one of the things that's really become very clear to me in running this podcast series is that. There's a power in community and a lot of people are actually looking at going, you know, and I'm, I'm going to ask you the same question in a minute. When, they, when they're mm. faced with challenges, where do they go? They go to their tribe. They, Absolutely. They, they go to the people that are closest to them that they feel they can trust. That's right. And I think, you know, it can be difficult in a small sort of marketplace where it is quite competitive. And I don't think we've got rid of that completely within our industry, which is obviously a little bit sad. But I mean, I was very lucky when I first started my business, you know, we've got some exceptional um, local real estate agents and property managers in our marketplace here in Launceston. And I remember when I first started, it was just myself and my laptop at the dining table. I had literally zero clients, um, middle of COVID, and I was just hoping and praying that this was going to work out for me. And I got my first client and I posted it on Facebook. And within about 10 minutes of me posting that, I I had one local business owner ring me to congratulate me and she was just so excited for me and said, I remember when I got my first client, I know that it's hard when you're not celebrating with anyone and I just wanted to let you know that I see you and I hear your wins and I just wanted to really celebrate that with you. And another separate business owner, who these are my direct competition, um, she actually sent me a bottle of champagne and arrived to my house um, to congratulate me. And, you know, and that's really beautiful because, you know, at the end of the day, they are competitors. You know, we're all kind of competing for clients but my view on that has always been to stick in your own lane because at the end of the day different clients are going to respond to different people 
and there's enough business for everyone. So, you know, our approaches are always going to be a little bit different. And if that perfect client decides to sign with me because of my approach, then that was kind of meant to be. That was the relationship that formed. Um, If they end up going with one of the other exceptional local agents that we have, I know that that's because they've connected with them and that was meant to be for them. So, you know, I it's one of those things where it's not always very respectful in the marketplace. You know, if you're going out to listings, you hear things that people are saying about your business, which um, aren't always nice. But for the most part down here, I, I think there is a bit of camaraderie between agents and it's really nice to see the kind of tides changing on that a little bit. Yeah, sure. I mean, look, we all need competition. I mean, competition is what we keeps do. us sharp. It, 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 it helps us sharpen our own saw. Um, but there's a difference between positive competition, negative competition. Mm. You've got to criticise somebody else in an effort to try to win business. I mean, that's that doesn't speak well of the person who's doing the criticising. It really. doesn't. And I think if you just focus on what you're doing and do it well, um, mm. you know, that's the best way to succeed, really. You know, yep. you do what you do exceptionally well and people, the right people are going to gravitate. Um, we don't need to bring each other down. And I think, mm-hmm. um, you know, that is definitely something I'm very passionate about. And I think, yeah, it is definitely changing out there. It's good to see lots of business owners support each other mm. um, and especially you know at things like our conferences and networking events and things you know we we do see that beautiful relationships are formed there and everyone's so willing to put their hand up and help so yeah, yeah that is right. really nice and look, there's really you know really at the end of the day there's enough business for everyone you know you, you is, don't yeah. need to drag someone down to try to make yourself bigger because all that does again i'm going to go to something else i was taught years ago and that is mm. that to be little is to be little Mm, it's only small exactly. people that will, you'll never get criticized by people who are doing more than you are or, or are more successful. It's always people who look up to you and go, gee, you know, they're doing better than I want. I, I don't want them to do as well as they are because it's it's affecting me. Well, it's actually, mm. it's only affecting me, it's not affecting you. But it's just, you know, it, it is that sort of thing where we can all collaborate. Yes, there's going to be competition, which is healthy. Mm. But if we if we continue to to have the view that, you know, we're all in the same industry. We all face the same challenges. It's actually yeah, we, we we need a, 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 a an area where we can talk about that, a, 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 some sort of common area. And like like you said, the, the conferences that we go to and the networking events that we attend are a really good common area, mm-hmm. common ground to be able to do so. As, hopefully, as a safe space. So, Absolutely. but it's, it's everyone's going to have a different view. They are. Absolutely. Absolutely. But I think, you know, for for me, having that camaraderie definitely helps. And I think it's one of the things that I'm really loving about the industry at the moment is just being able to to see other people succeed and and change those perceptions. It's a very exciting time to be a part of it. Yeah, that's right. You mentioned a minute ago, you said, you know, you'd face challenges. Mm. Um, And I think we all do in in all sorts of facets of our our lives. Um, what, What are the what are some of the strategies that you've used when you've been faced with a challenge? What, what, where have you gone for your for your inspiration when things get tough? Absolutely. Um, look, I mean, I really struggled when we first started out with that feeling of imposter syndrome, um, and I think I, for a long time, had a lot of trouble sort of believing in myself. Um, so for me, I think part of what I've been able to build up is a little bit of 
resilience around backing myself and my character and just being really authentic in my approach, not only with my business, um, but also with my life and really focusing on getting the basics right, you know, your health, your wellness um, to really support you to be able to be the best, best version of yourself, both when you're at work and when you're at home. Um, it can be really challenging. So I'm I'm one of those people that I do sort of really now put myself out there um, in a very sort of genuine and authentic way. And it's easy to say, oh, you know, you don't care if you're putting things out on social media. It doesn't matter. I don't care. But sometimes, you know, you do focus on the negatives. So I had a bit of a health journey um, in the past couple of years. I had sort of a bit of an aha moment actually at one of the real estate conferences that I went to a couple of years ago. And I went, you know what, I've really got to start looking after myself. And I made the decision then to come back and start looking into weight loss surgery because I was in a bit of a, a cycle of not looking after myself. I was at my heaviest weight. I was at 120 kilos at the time. I was in burnout territory, big time. Yep. Um, and yep. I went, you know, something, something's got to change here because um, I can't keep going the way I'm going. So I ended up going and seeing um, a surgeon and I booked in to have a gastric sleeve operation, which was a very, very big, big thing for me at the time. It's a big decision. It's a permanent decision. Um, and I ended up having having the surgery and completely overhauling my lifestyle. So in a period of about a year and a half, I've lost 62 kilos. Now, during that time, I did actually share my journey on social media. And part yeah. of the reason that I did that was because there is quite a big stigma around weight loss surgery. And I wanted to really share my journey as honestly as I could. Um, at the same time, I didn't want to hide away from the fact that I'd had surgery because it's not realistic for people to think that you could lose that much weight really quickly without maybe a little bit of a little bit of help. But what came from that, there was a lot of love and a lot of positivity and a lot of support, but there was also a lot of haters that came with that. Yeah. And yeah. I was getting a lot of trolls um, commenting on my content on TikTok, on Instagram. And it can be really difficult not to focus on the 2% of negative comments or negative feedback and I think it's like that with anything in life we can often kind of forget that there's 98 percent of people saying really beautiful supportive things and you, you just sort of focus on the two percent but then also losing sight of the fact that I ultimately did this for me um, so it shouldn't really matter what other people are saying so I think you know I I've kind of had to work a lot on my own self-worth around that and not attaching mm. that to I guess people's validation and it kind of applies to the business a little bit as well you know when I first started I was really scared to kind of put things out there into the world the way that I wanted to do them because I thought well my competition are doing this and what will they think if I do this and I had to let go of that and go you know what just stay in your own lane be true to yourself what is the evidence here? The evidence is that you there's never been anything that I haven't succeeded in doing if I've put my mind to it. So why would that be any different now? And if the worst thing is that you're going to fail, it's not the end of the world. Uh, you know, you'll be able to figure it out. So I think that's been a big thing for me is just really accepting my journey and just really trying to turn off those negative thoughts, both with, you know, what people are saying, but also in my own head and how I frame that in my mindset. Yeah, and that's the thing. I think it's interesting you bring up imposter syndrome because it's something that I've mm -hmm. done a fair bit of research on and reading on and, 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 and listening to others talking about it. In fact, I think early this year I did something I just sort of 
uh, a few posts talking about it. You know, it, it. Imposter syndrome is really all in our heads. And it's, mm. but because it's our own voice in our head, you can't run away from it. You can't. There's always, that, there's always that, that voice at three in the morning that's whispering in your ear saying, you know, you're going to get found out, don't you? And it's, it's actually, mm. you've got to turn around and go, yeah, you know what? I'm actually not because I know what I'm doing and I'm actually very good at what I'm doing. So you're the one that's about to be found out as just mm. being a little nagging doubt in my head. Exactly. And just owning it and, you know, being like, maybe I do feel a little bit that way. I got asked this question on a panel recently here in Launceston about, you know, do you feel like you have imposter syndrome? The answer is absolutely yes, but I'm owning that. Um, And I think just being genuine and and authentic in your interactions where you can, um, you know, ultimately that's what people want to see now. We don't have to be the shiniest, best version of ourselves 100% of the time. People want to know the reality of it. They want to know that, yeah, it is hard. You know, from the outside, it it looks like there's so much going on and everything's going really well. And the glossy Instagram posts, you know, they aren't reality. If we sit down and have a talk, um, everyone will know that it, there are challenges. Um, but it's really yep. hard when we're, we're soaking all of this in so much. We're seeing, especially on social media, the very best of everyone's life. Um, it can be really hard not to compare yourself with Mm. other people. And, you know, it got to the point where I had to really um, sort of, I guess, screen away some of the the negative things that I was seeing um, on social media and in that space and go, you know what, I'm actually going to turn notifications off for these people um, because I don't don't want to see that. I just want to stick in my own lane and focus on what I'm doing and the right people will gravitate. The ones that that's not for, that's okay. That's actually completely okay. That's right. Yeah. So I think just... They're entitled to their opinion. They're wrong, yeah. but they're entitled to their opinion. <laughs> <laughs> exactly. I mean, just be kind, I guess, is the message there too. If it's not for you, scroll on. Um, you can yeah, definitely well, scroll on. Yeah, but, but um, it's very, yeah, it's very easy, I think, and, and it's it's funny you brought up that sort of comparison thing too because yeah. it sounds like you've been reading from one of my, my, my presentations, but um, <laughs> but but it's we, we get caught in this cycle of believing everything that we see in social media. Mm. And sometimes we get really indignant about some of the things that we see and we read on there. And it's really, really easy to just go, oh, oh I'm going to make a comment on that and clatter away at the keyboard. And we completely check our humanity at the keyboard. We don't mm. understand the impact of what we're about to put out to the world is actually going to be read by someone who is, is going to get upset by it. It's going Absolutely. to hit home. And we would, yeah. we, we would not say things to their face that we would say over social media. Exactly. It, it, can, be, it can be a place that is um, quite rewarding, you know, if you've got the right people around you. But, again, you know, people do feel like they can say whatever they want to say, whether they know you or not. Um, and that can be really challenging, I think, for you to, to sort of wrap your head around, especially if you are the um, the object of <laughs> some of those comments. And, yeah. and for me, um, you know, I refer to this um, certainly around my surgery journey is I do get a lot of comments that it was the easy way out and that I didn't earn it and that I shouldn't be proud of my journey. But I do also take on board when that happens and you can kind of apply this to, I think, a work sense a little bit too if you've got a client that's being really unreasonable and they're just, you know, being sort of difficult or nasty for the sake of being nasty it often does say more about what's going on with them than it does about you 
You know, if they've got a really strong opinion about the fact that, you know, oh, well, Caitlin, you didn't earn it, you you took the easy way out, you know, you've bought a body or whatever it might be that they want to throw out there, often that's because they're feeling really insecure in their own body and whatever it is has triggered something for them. And it takes a minute for you to kind of go, oh, my gosh, they're being so mean to me. Like, why are they attacking me? But it's almost like, you know, maybe shifting that mindset and going, you know, these guys, they've obviously got some pretty significant issues to feel like they need to comment on on something like that. Um, So, you know, I think often just taking into account that it's not always about us. It actually can a lot of the time be about that person and what they're going through and just trying to take that emotional step back and go, you know what, it's awful what they're writing, but at the same time, this sounds like it's more of a them problem than a me problem and I can choose how to respond to that. Exactly, and and you would you, you'd almost you almost take a view of sympathy toward them because what they try to do is push out their own pain. They try to to, exactly. to get get exactly. out what's inside them, whereas that it's, it's and the only time that would ever work is is if you were to engage with them at the same level, and if you if exactly. you keep your keep at a higher plane, well, it's 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 not going to be something that they can impact with you. I mean, look, yeah, the words when you read them are hurtful. I know, I've, I've experienced it myself. Mm-hmm. Um, but you've just got to look at it and go, well, I wonder what else is going on for them. And it's the same as you said a minute ago with, with clients. Now, when you've got a, having a particularly nasty interaction with a client or, or, or one that's difficult rather than nasty, you've got to maybe look at what else is going on in their lives. Mm-hmm. Exactly. You do, you find that. And taking a moment to step back and just and breathe before responding. I think it's so easy to jump in and be like on the defensive straight away. Um, you know, I've really found that over the past couple of years, making sure I'm taking time for my wellness, whether that's going to yoga and just switching off <laughs> for a little while or having a bit of a breather before I respond, having some me time, um, sleeping on it. There's a lot to be said for sometimes sleeping on sleeping on it before you respond. Um, I think just taking that minute to step back and reflect on it before you kind of answer emotionally or I guess in a defensive way is definitely um, something that I found very useful for myself when I'm in those sort of high-stress situations. Just save that email to drafts. Save it to drafts, sleep on it, um, attack it in the morning after your double shot latte and you're probably feeling a thousand times better. Well, yeah, and so long as yeah, that, that that's right. But then double shot latte is probably going to amp you right up again, isn't it? <laughs> oh, look, it could be. It depends on how you respond, I suppose. Exactly. Maybe a green tea might be a better option. <laughs> yeah, well, some, sometimes yes, but uh, I, I don't have a green tea. I've, I've, the one thing I can't cut out. I mean, look, I'm, I'm a long black, I'm a long black kind of guy. So yeah, I, I completely take your point. And I, I notice your bio says you're a coffee lover as well as a wine lover, which is not such a bad thing either. Katie, we're we're just about out of time. Um, in fact, we've gone over time, which is just fantastic. I just that's just gone. And I said to you, look at me, maybe twenty twenty five minutes, and here we are at the half hour mark. And I could probably keep. I know I can really but... talk when you get me going. So sorry about that. <laughs> that's what happens when you get two property managers in the room together. Yeah. Um, again, I am very deeply appreciative of you coming onto the podcast. Um, it's 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 wonderful to have you part of it. You've got such an amazing energy to you. I love your perspective and your outlook. I hope the business goes brilliantly for you and Jeremy and, and your staff and your two boys. Yeah. And um, I hope that uh, that you do manage to make it over to the, uh, to the next Taylor Swift concert. 
Oh, 100%. Trust me. I'll be there. I'll find a way. But thank you so much for having me, Kirk. It was really a pleasure. I very much appreciate the opportunity. You are more than welcome. I look forward to seeing you at the next conference. Sounds great. I'll see you there. Thanks. Bye. You've been listening to another podcast in the Influential Conversations series. This series is proudly brought to you by Tappy, helping property managers deliver a world-class maintenance experience to their landlords and tenants and providing a total property care solution. Inspection Express, the market leader in property inspection reporting and digital signature property documentation, giving you a seamless approach to the way that you manage properties and Agent Dynamics, the Australian market-leading team development ecosystem to help you nurture, grow, and retain your property teams since 2014. Thanks for listening. Be sure to tune in next time for the next in this series.